so many industries focus on making us feel as bad about ourselves as we can to then offer, of course, the solution, which is buying product, whether it's clothes or a new it bag, anything that will help us feel better. But we didn't feel bad about ourselves in the first place. They made us. How do modern day pressures around body image relate to sustainability? With eco-living often focused on the negatives, on what we're not doing enough of, on how we're falling short of being perfect, why is it so important to let ourselves feel good about what we do and tell ourselves that we're okay and that we're doing enough? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. To receive weekly highlights from the podcast that can hopefully provide you with another dose of inspiration, you can subscribe for free at greendreamer.com. With that, to thank you for being here, you'll also automatically be entered to win our monthly giveaways. And for now, to our episode, let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is a sustainable fashion and lifestyle expert who's also a sought-after speaker, presenter, consultant, and co-founder of the international fair fashion trade show called Mint. She's got over 15 years of experience within this field, has been featured in several top women lists, and was nominated as Amsterdam Citizen of the Year. More recently, she published a book called This is a Good Guide, all about how we can feel good, look good, and generally just enjoy our lives while doing good for our world and our planet. Green Dreamer, starting with what inspired her passion for the environment, here's Marie Eschkolt. Well, when I was quite young, I always had the feeling, and I still do, that I was born here by coincidence. Mm. Um, I was born in the Netherlands, and that, of course, already gives you, you know, so many advantages, if you like. So there, I've got the benefit of democracy, women's rights, a good environment, a flourishing economy, um, so many things that I just got and I didn't do anything for. So. If I would have been born anywhere else, say Bangladesh, for instance, I would probably be sewing our clothes right now or live in a very different environment altogether. Um, and that's something that I've always felt was very important and also quite crucial in how I thought about what my role should be. I mean, I can't really say that I then have more rights to all of that than someone else because I didn't do anything to gain it. I just got it. And so I always really felt that I wanted to do something that made that balance slightly more fair, if only just a little bit. And also that I would, you know, it's very important to make sure that you care for the environment a lot, because also that's something that's just given to you. And that's something that we really need to care for. And I've got the possibilities to do so because I've got so many other rights and advantages in, in, in other areas. And then what made you ultimately decide that you wanted to focus on sustainability with your work? Yeah, so I've been trained in media. I've read a, a theater and television studies and I've worked in media for a while. But I really realized because I was doing volunteer work much more in the sustainable sector on the side that I wanted to do, 
you know, I oh no, that I wanted to spend uh, much of my, let's say, awake and very active time on those kinds of issues and not just on the side. Um, so I started working for an organization called the Clean Clothes Campaign to improve working conditions in the global garment industry because I also always felt that clothes and fashion are such an, an interesting part of society. They, of course, channel so much about you, but also make you feel a certain way. You know, you, you're not entirely sure what I'm wearing right now, but I will probably feel different in a business suit than in my pajamas at the moment and you can sort of guess which of the two I'm wearing um, and um, um, but also your impact on the world through clothes is so huge in terms of environment but also of course women's and human rights and all of that so it has many interesting and important factors uh, all together so uh, I really wanted to work in that field so I've worked for the Clean Clothes Campaign for nine years. Mm, that's beautiful yeah I feel like fashion is something that we use to express our individuality but with the world being so globalized and with a lot of the supply chain in fashion being all over the world it's also something that really connects the world. Absolutely. I think it's where almost everything comes together. It's where we literally we wear on our skin, the seams that people, you know, on the other side of the world have sewn and they've actually touched um, those clothes. And, you know, when I look now at the at the seam of my shirt, I know that someone else has helped that and made that. And now it's touching my skin and there's nothing more personal. And yet there's a whole world in between. It's amazing. Um, I once counted all the different steps that go into making a garment and how many people are involved in that. And if you look at everything from designing to growing the crop to actually cut, make trims and make the actual clothes, but also, uh, for instance, dyeing the fabric and then transporting it all over the world and unpacking it and, and marketing it and selling it, everything, then all Together, it's about 170 people involved in one particular piece of garment. Wow. Over half of them have actually touched them. So, and that also goes for your underwear. So, there's so many people whose stories you sort of wrap around yourself when you wear your clothes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when we really think about our clothes this way and really get to know the stories behind the people that, you know, interacted with their clothing, fashion becomes a lot more meaningful. Why do you think fashion has become so mindless and meaningless today? Like people just go into stores without really understanding this full story. I think that has much to do with the way the fashion industry wants us to just keep buying, perpetually buying, 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 uh, without really stopping to think about it. Also, even not only if it makes the people who've made the clothes happy, but also if it actually makes ourselves happy. I think we ourselves are quite influenced by the pressure that we feel to keep uh, purchasing more and more. And therefore, um, we're not allowed to stop and think, because if we do, we will probably stop doing that. And for our own mental well-being, too, do you feel like this makes people feel constantly like we don't have enough and we're inadequate, we need more all the time? Oh, absolutely. I think for me, this is one of the most important aspects of sustainability and creating a more sustainable lifestyle. This is the biggest focus. Uh, so many industries, whether it's the fashion industry, the beauty industry, the food industry, focus on making us feel as bad about ourselves as we can to then offer, of course, the solution, which is buying product, whether it's 
clothes or a new it bag or a new lipstick or diet products or anything that will help us feel better. But we didn't feel bad about ourselves in the first place because of our own feelings. They made us. So I think this is, I think, a link between sustainability and body image and the way the industry works that needs to be uh, focused on a lot more, which is something I intend to do definitely for the near the near future. It is one of the worst outcomes, I think, of how the industry works in general. So many of us feel bad about ourselves. We feel not good enough. We don't look good. We don't look like the models. Our skin doesn't glow enough. We don't have the right color of skin. Um, we don't wear the right clothes. We are behind. Uh, we look ridiculous. We look fat. Um, all of those things combined tell us something about being inadequate, being you know, having to feel ashamed about ourselves. And that is something I think that is completely devastating, not just for ourselves as human beings and our ability to feel happy and good about ourselves, but also for sustainability issues. It really, of course, perpetuates the whole buying process and it makes us feeling that we need to purchase lots of things to um, to mend ourselves. So if we keep that up, it's going to be very difficult, even if we keep, you know, if we start buying organic food or more uh, sustainably produced clothes, if we keep buying more and more and feeling pressured to do so, then it's going to be really hard to, uh, to become sustainable in society. Mm-hmm. And even like putting aside irresponsible manufacturing practices that might be happening across the world that people, just consumers might feel not as connected to, like mindless consumption in of itself is not healthy for us directly. No, no. And that's absolutely true. It it makes you feel empty. It makes you feel, you know, as if you don't belong. I think also in this society, loneliness is such an interesting subject and such an important one, too, that connects to all of these issues as well. Because, of course, through the distance created by, let's say, appliances and phones and and everything, it has, I think, two different sides. It's, it's easier to belong to a group and it's easier for us to uh, to talk to each other now while we're, you know, on different continents, which is amazing. But also it's much easier to either speak very badly of people, to instantly react on a very ne- in a negative way, uh, to also cancel appointments. Everything has become, um, I think, more connected, but also more loose at the same time. And especially through the pressure you can feel through social media by you know projecting the perfect image and especially through so many images that we get inundated by on a daily basis uh, showing us what we should look like and who we should belong to it's very difficult to sometimes feel that you belong at all because we're never good enough which is never good enough and I think loneliness and uh, pressure to you know look a certain way and then also pressure from the whole world in terms of how things are produced and how much we need to buy really also connect to each other and and can reinforce each other. There's so much to this. (laughs) And you've done a lot of work in this space, you know, in efforts to help inspire more connection, at least within starting from the fashion industry, you started the International Fair Fashion Trade Show, Mint. What motivated you to start this? Yeah, so I did that together with Willa Stoutenbeek um, in the Netherlands because we really felt that um, we needed to change the way fashion is being bought, but also presented to the public. 
so many people really want to buy sustainable fashion, but just don't know how or where. So as fashion is still being distributed via trade shows, this is where buyers of fashion stores go to select what they will have in their stores for the coming year. We felt that we needed to create a sustainable fashion trade show that has the same um, or even better style to make sure that those amazing brands that actually create beautiful fashion, but also who have sustainability and, and ethical working in their DNA, actually make it to the stores. Because if buyers don't see them, then they're never going to get presented in the stores and, and consumers can't buy them. So we started a trade show called Mint, which is part of a bigger trade show in, in Amsterdam and actually the trade show for Belgium, the Netherlands and Luxembourg to really seduce buyers uh, to see that those clothes look beautiful, have very are of very high quality, are long lasting and also have the added bonus of a great story behind them. Um, it was called Mint. So people, I, we didn't call it like, you know, the ethical fashion show Amsterdam or something like that, which I think is quite important to say now. But then, this was in 2011, we felt it was better to um, also showcase the buyers the amazing styles. And then they would, you know, after talking to us, realize that they were actually made sustainably. So they could see first that the clothes just looked amazing because everyone, of course, just wants to wear great clothes. I do, too. <laughs> so we really wanted to show that, you know, you can wear sustainable fashion and be very stylish at the same time. For sure. So you were really a pioneer in bringing this vision to life. Can you take us back to one of the most stressful or difficult moments for you as you were working on this project? It's very challenging for us to work with brands who spend their money, and rightly so, in such a different way than regular fashion brands. Of course, sustainable fashion brands try to really source materials, work with workers in a very different way and spend much of their money in the supply chain. Rightly so. Of course, that's the whole idea, uh, that you focus on sustainable fabrics, that you focus on long lasting in quality and also that you make sure that workers for instance get paid a living wage so they actually can live off so that means that compared to uh, regular fashion brands there's not much money left for for instance marketing mm. uh, styling promotion you know all of that because all the money gets spent somewhere else so it's quite hard to sustain a trade show when you know most brands really don't have much budget for those kinds of things also for of course advertising or marketing uh, which is, of course, such a huge factor in the regular fashion industry. You know, we, of course, ourselves pay uh, for all those beautiful advertisements. Uh, that's part of, of course, the price, as, of course, is profit. So that was quite hard to make sure that there was enough budget to do it when we, of course, agreed with the way that they spent their money. So um, that's a challenge. And I think it still is. So I know it is, there's no easy answer to this, but um, with this in mind, how do you think we can support the sustainability and ethical fashion space to expand and the market to grow if there's less dollars left to be able to be pumped into like the marketing side of things to push this to the public? So that's what we can do, right? This is where, where we come in. 
if we feel these brands are really important and they're great and we really want to support their work, then we can use our space and our social media, our word of mouth, our friends to really promote them ourselves. This is what we can do and really create a movement to make sure that these brands are becoming as well known as others are. And we can also then really become part of their journey and part of their success. Of course, we would really like sustainable fashion brands to have the same resources as regular fashion brands in terms of, you know, creating beautiful photo shoots and and, and creating amazing ads all over the Internet and television and everywhere. But that's just not going to happen very quickly, I think. So this is where we can really, you know, create our own movement and 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 our own support group to um, really spread uh, their work and their message as much as we can. And to support that, you also have a book called This is a Good Guide. What is this all about and what was your inspiration to write this? So I started working in sustainable fashion and I wrote a book first, which is about ethical fashion and how you can support it and where you can find it and what you yourself can do uh, for a more conscious wardrobe. Um and I base that on many of the questions I got. Many people really want to live more sustainably, but just don't necessarily know how. So I thought when I when I'd written that book, it's only available in Dutch, I'm afraid, um, that all the questions were answered. <laughs> but of course, for many people, when you start thinking about one particular thing in your life, say fashion in this instance, you then automatically also start questioning other issues. For instance, gosh, what's the food that I put in my mouth every day or the beauty products that I put on my skin or, you know, gosh, uh, how about flying or how sustainable am I at work, really? So I started getting more and more questions that didn't relate to fashion so much, but more to lifestyle. And this was something I'd been working on for myself quite a bit. Also in Mint, in our trade show, we'd been offering not just uh, fashion, but also lifestyle items in general. So for instance, accessories, but also interior accessories, makeup, all of that, because fashion really, of course, isn't something that's standalone. It's really part of a, a, a much bigger way of seeing life, almost. And also more and more stores, of course, are now offering not just solely one item, but, you know, a whole array of items that have, have to do with their vision, almost. So I've been working on that for myself for quite a while, but then I decided, based on all those questions I got, uh, and the need I felt for more information, not just about fashion, but about lifestyle, um, that I should write a more comprehensive book about sustainable lifestyle. And that became This is a Good Guide for a Sustainable Lifestyle, which offers information, tips and tricks, um, you know, lots of positive things you can do, questions you can ask, but also um, brands you can find, stores all over the world um, in fashion, beauty, food, home, work, leisure, um, yeah, to sort of give you a guide to make different choices, not to be perfect. I think that's for me very important with this book. I really didn't want anyone to get the feeling that you need to become a saint or to become, you know, completely. I'm not perfect. Definitely not. Um, I think it's very important um, to make smart choices, to, to sort of do what you can and what suits you. Otherwise, you're just really not going to do it. I mean, it, it needs to also be something that gives you a positive feeling that really suits you and that uh, that you will actually continue with. Because if you if you're forced to do something that you really don't like, I mean, 
we still need to enjoy life, right? I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. (laughs) I love that so much because it's so easy to feel like we're not doing enough or, you know, we do care about sustainability, but nobody's perfect. And I feel like that's something that we people in this space worry about a lot, especially as people who put our work out into the public. Like I consciously tell myself that, and nobody is perfect, so it's okay that I'm imperfect. But for some reason, yes. I still get nervous about people judging me. So yeah. how do you think we can get over perfectionism in this space and worrying too much about what other people think to just focusing yeah. on ourselves and what we can do to improve as that next step? Yeah, because I think one of the negative sides of perfectionism and and, and focusing on that much is that it will just make you not do anything at all anymore. And that will be such a waste because then all the steps you would have taken, you don't do. You don't take them. So I'd rather have people just focus on what they can do, even though it should probably always be more and it's not fast enough. And I agree with all of that. But then if we, all of us together, all listeners, (laughs) take a couple of steps a week almost or a month, whatever you feel comfortable with, then we've accomplished and achieved so much more than if we just would have said, well, you know, I can't do all of this. So, you know, why bother? Because it doesn't make a difference anyway. It does. I mean, have you ever had a mosquito, you know, in your room? That's the influence one tiny thing can have, you know, in the world and on on people's lives. Even a conversation you can have with a friend about these issues can totally change the way they see things and and how they approach choices in life. So I think there's so much that we can achieve um, and that we also underestimate our power so much, Um, especially, you know, the whole saying, um, I don't know if that's in English as well, but that uh, client is king. This is, of course, so true. Um, If we have you know, no more interest in certain things and we don't want to spend our money on them anymore, then there's no reason to manufacture them. We made this world the way it is. So we can change them. Um, Sorry. So we made this world the way it is. So we can change it. I mean, who else really? It's really just about consumers becoming aware of what our purchases actually mean and then not being perfect, but whenever we can and have the option to like vote for the better choice. Yes. And I think voting here is such an interesting uh, sort of choice of words because it's about so much more than buying. I think that's a really good start. And I think that's something that we can all sort of start doing now um, and continue doing and I think there's a lot of our power lies there but it's also really to do I think with how we treat each other and how we see each other and how we sometimes also pass or don't pass judgment on one another it's about I think feminism and it's about freedom it's about diversity a lot it's about white privilege it's about the LGBTQ community you know having freedom it's about friendship it's about you know being open and making sure that there's a place for everyone what do you think we can do as individuals to help foster this more welcoming and warm environment for everybody i think for me it's it's a lot about about being open and trying to see things from someone else's perspective mm. there are so many issues for me that have to do with a sustainable lifestyle that really go beyond buying only, which is one of the most important things. But it's all about people in the end. 
because when you look at environmental issues, for instance, um, as is a Green Dreamer podcast, of course, that has a lot to do, actually much to do um, with people and how we treat the world around us. And I think making sure that there's space for everyone and that we really are very mindful of body shaming, of diversity, of, you know, the way that we were brought up and our background and our history also. For instance, in, in the Netherlands, we have quite a huge history um, in the slavery trade. You know, all of that, I think we need to be really mind, mindful of and, yeah, making sure that we always treat each other with a very open mind and a welcoming mind and also ask questions. Don't just judge someone if you think it's different. Having interest in others and, and asking questions is so important. And I really try to be, you know, so mindful, which is why, for instance, in This is a Good Guide, the whole last chapter focuses on these kinds of issues. On It focuses on knowledge and on women's rights and on, you know, on on diversity and equality and you know wealth in society and and friendship and how that can really also help uh, create a much more sustainable society for me that's beautiful there's just so many different facets to sustainability beyond what we normally think of as like sustainable living and that i find really exciting because there are a lot of opportunities for us to work on as individuals what are some of your favorite lesser known sustainable living tips for people because i feel like we hear a lot about you know not using single use plastics eating less meat what are some other ones that you feel like aren't talked about as much i think um we sometimes forget how easy it can be. If you're, for instance, in a supermarket and you're looking to buy a packet of milk, for instance, or if you don't drink milk, um, a milk alternative or something else that has a, a date of perishment on it, when we're in front of the fridge and you open it, we always tend to go for the one that has the furthest away date. It really feels as if we have a score then, right? We are so, so um, brainwashed. Yeah, we're so brainwashed almost to always go for the best, the most, the biggest, you know, that we need to have um, the best experience always. So we go out of our way, almost climbing into the fridge <laughs> to find the packet with, you know, the date that's sometimes four or five weeks ahead even. Now, if you take the example of a packet of milk um, or a carton of milk, you would probably say, it only contains about four glasses. So you, at the maximum, you would, you know, use it for a couple of days. If you're in a family, even maybe for one day, who needs a carton of milk that lasts four or five weeks? <laughs> I mean, we don't, but we just, so if the next time you would take, you know, the one that's at the front of the row, which maybe only has seven or eight days in it, you've done an incredible thing for um, sustainability right. because if no one takes that it will be thrown away and a third of all uh, food in the world gets thrown away before it's been consumed and that's of course a huge problem not just for sustainable reasons when you look at all the resources that have gone into it uh, and also in the case of, of milk animal rights and, and, and the way animals are being used for our food but of course also thinking about the fact that so many people are hungry in the world it's it's a terrible thing but if you take you know the one that's up front has got like seven days you have the exact same it's not more expensive it's the same quality 
it's easier even because you don't have to <laughs> into and you've you know you're a food rescue hero at that particular moment so there is so much we can do on a daily basis that doesn't make our life you know less wealthy or less fun or harder or more expensive that actually is a really good choice for sustainability and and makes your impact a lot bigger people sometimes have the misconception that it's really expensive it's really hard and it's very you know not stylish at all well there are many choices that can actually save you a lot of money especially for instance when we talk about fashion again when you go for you know quality over quantity for instance and you buy something that's for instance 50 or 100 dollars and you wear it for years and years that's actually a lot less expensive than something that was you know seven or eight dollars and you can only wear three times and then it just looks you know you can see through it yeah. <laughs> almost you can't really wear it anymore that was much more expensive in itself because the price per wear is a lot higher but also you have to keep buying so when you add that all up you've actually spent a lot more than when you went for the quality item or this the sustainable quality item for sure. Well, we'll definitely have to check out your book to learn more, but I'd love to hear, based on everything that you've learned and experienced, what do you think we need most today as a world to accelerate towards a thriving planet? I think the most important thing for me is to really stop body shaming and to focus so much on the fact that we are not good enough. I think that perpetuates something in us that will make a truly sustainable society really difficult because it just makes you feel that you need to buy so much beauty products clothing accessories diet products um things that having to do with you know uh, uh, sports and fitness and all of that where i think of course it's very important to be healthy and feel good about yourself i think the pressure of the industry uh, for us to become like perfect and also a very standard way uh, of being is detrimental to many things in our society um, our mental health the way that we interact with each other but also uh, our ability to become sustainable truly sustainable is there anything we can do as individuals to help reshape society's um, way of going about pushing these standards on people yeah, I think being really aware of it and start seeing it in the way that brands approach us, but also in the way that even, I think, in an unconscious way, we sometimes interact and communicate on social media, but also in conversations with each other or about each other. Just be very aware of how easily we are brainwashed almost to sort of slip those kind of words that have to do with weight and shape and color and 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 all of that just if we start fighting that and we become very aware and and mindful of the way that we approach ourselves and each other we can become much more mindful and and aware of how this is so big in our society and really uh, demand change and also really i think just work with and interact with and buy from and listen to and subscribe to those outlets and media and brands that try to do it in a different way and not just for green greenwashing or um, just, you know, money and profit issues, because now, of course, this is becoming something in society that you can actually also earn money from if you do that, but who do it from a genuine way, uh, then we can really, I think, together change the direction of this ship.
Absolutely. For sure. Well, what's next for you that we can look forward to and support? So my book has just been published internationally. This is quite recent. I think it's such an honor for people to buy and read my book. So I'm going to do some book touring, which is amazing. I'm going to be in Australia from November on. I'm also going to be in Denmark next next year and, and quite some countries to get a chance to talk to people and together really make this movement as big as we can. Also, I'm going to be focusing on body image quite a lot because uh, for me, it's um, well one of the most uh, pivotal subjects, but also something that brings so many of the issues that have to deal with sustainability together. So this is something that I really want to focus on more myself, also in podcasts, in events that I'm going to do, uh, and also in my social media and advocacy work. Amazing. Well, we're really looking forward to all of these things. Where can we go online to stay updated and follow you on social media? So that's my name. <laughs> that's Marika Eschkot. It's spelled M-A-R-I-E-K-E-E-Y-S-K-O-O-T. Um, I'm quite active on Instagram, on Facebook, a little bit on Twitter, not so much, but I'll definitely, of course, see you when you're there and respond. And my website is also my name. If you manage to spell that, then you can find <laughs> We'll link to it in the show notes, so no worries. (laughs) I can't believe we're already heading into the last part of 2018. I haven't even had a chance to review all the things I said I wanted to do this year, and frankly, I don't even remember where I wrote that down to begin with. So honestly, part of the reason I created our 2019 Green Dreamer Planners is because I can be quite disorganized and easily feel scattered or off track, Uh, but there's so much I want to do, you know, so much to be done in this time of need. And at the same time, I also feel like I need constant reminders to prioritize self-care so that I can be the best person I can be for everyone that I love and also be able to do all the things that I want to do. If you've been listening to our past few episodes, I know you've already heard about these planners that are coming to you soon. Uh, But for now, to stay posted on its launch, feel welcome to sign up for our weekly newsletter at greendreamer.com, where I'll announce first when it goes live. For now, to our final five. Let's power through. What's an uplifting social media account or publication you follow? I really had to sort of narrow it down. So I'm going to try and sneak a couple in, but I settled for I Way, I underscore Way by British um, actress, presenter, but also activist Jamila Jamil. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. She is just very vocal on body shaming, on body image, and has such uplifting and very inspiring way of seeing that. And she calls out brands. She calls out individuals and has a very, I think, great way of making us more aware of how the pressure on the way we should look. And mind you, this is for me really not something that is just about women. This is also about men and uh, anyone who want, who doesn't want to label themselves in those um, boxes. I think it's a misunderstanding that this, of course, while historically women are more focused on in terms of having to look good and beautiful and, you know, be be a certain way. This is also now for men, I think, a bigger and bigger 
issue uh, having to either be a metro man or be very clean shaven or very fit or um, you know having to adhere to certain standards is now I think uh, an issue for everyone mm-hmm. this also for me has a lot to do with white privilege diversity not just body shape but also body color and the Dutch uh, account diversity rules is great in showing uh, how much change there is happening and still needs to happen in terms of the way the color is represented in in media she's she's amazing and when you when you talk about you know everything that goes beyond that in terms of psychology and things having to do with maybe loneliness uh, feelings of not belonging i think matt haig the writer is great um he just gives us so many ways of seeing the world in a different way and and also feeling quite positive because when I hear myself talk about these issues just now through this whole interview it feels as if it's sometimes so much and that it's quite difficult and they're all quite big issues and you know what can we do well at the same time I really want to stress and I feel that it's actually it's quite small also at the same time, not to diminish, of course, the importance of these issues. They are huge and 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 very crucial, but they're also quite personal at the same time. And they're about us, ourselves, and the small steps that we can take every day to make sometimes huge changes. It doesn't have to be so far removed. It can be quite near and quite mundane sometimes also, uh, and really quite doable. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? Um, I think for me, when I look back, I started around 15 or 16 years ago. And when I began working at the Clean Clothes campaign, really not many people had an idea what that was all about. They were like, what are you doing? Are you going to start working for a dry cleaners? You know, (laughs) this really shows, I think, how much society has changed already and that actually we've accomplished so much. When I now say to people, what I do or the area I work in, they start their own conversation without even me having have anything to do with it. They are much more aware of these issues. So I think a lot has changed in in 15 years. What's one thing you do for your health, either daily or weekly? I try to move as much as I can. I think that for me just makes me feel a lot better, not just only physically, but also mentally. So either when I need to make a phone call, I start walking, I try to to do something of exercise on a daily basis. I try to to, uh, create some abs also for a a better call, but also because I do a lot of sitting during the day. So I need to sort of strengthen that a lot also to keep pressure off my back. But also it's just a great way of going outside, of just, you know, being active. And I think the feeling of being active and involved and, and part of things is just so important in life. For sure. What's one thing you're working on right now to live more sustainably? I'm ambassador in the Netherlands of Plastic Free Month. And of course, this is one of the, I think, most published issues of this time, single-use plastic and just also the, the impact plastic has on society. So we are doing a whole month now of looking into our plastic use. For me, protein is the most important thing. I eat vegetarian, about 80% vegan, and um getting enough protein that doesn't come in plastic is quite hard, I think. So that's an amazing challenge to sort of see how uh, we can deal with that and also really reduce the use of packaged foods. What makes you most hopeful for our planet at the moment? Oh, I guess it must be the amount of questions I get. 
so many people, and that's amazing, ask me questions about, you know, where do I go? What choices can I make? What do I look out for? What can I ask for? Uh, what could I do? And that is just so uplifting and so great that there are so many people who really want to make different choices. I think that is just great. Mm-hmm. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? I think you are okay. You are great, actually. Um, and you've got so much power to make so much change and such a positive impact for yourself and also for others and for animals in our world. And uh, thank you so much for being you and, um, and making a difference. Thank you for being here and for making a difference. Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find the two tweetable key takeaways from this interview, as well as links and resources at greendreamer.com slash 85 for episode 85. You can reach me with feedback on how I can improve the show for you through the website's contact page. And you can find me on Instagram at Kamea Shane. That's K-A-M-E-A-C-H-A-Y-N-E. And finally, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.